0: Chapter 3, the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is probably, I believe, one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible because, first of all, it identifies us as people, what our issues are, and then identifies God's great love for us. And so we find here a religious guy. Now, something you have to remember about religious people, they think they've arrived, That's one of the things. And oftentimes, the the joy of being a religious person in their minds is so they can look down upon everybody else and say, well, God, I thank you that I'm not like that person over there. But what God does is when we really fall in love with Jesus, we realize that we're simply sinners saved by grace. Now notice this interesting story here. There was a man, chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man... A Pharisee named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. He was from the Sanhedrin. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a well-known person. Notice also it says that he was a knowledgeable person. He was a ruler of the religious order of the day. He had the answers. But notice something. This man came to Jesus by night... And said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Notice that he recognized that Jesus had supernatural power. And By the way, friends, I want to share this with you. You have supernatural power too. That's part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit take you out of your limitations into another world. And this is something God does. Because only God can motivate you, can inspire you, give you a vision to take you from what you are into what He wants you to be. And again, God is always moving. Now sometimes the movement is slow and we don't think maybe God is doing something, but He is. Remember, God builds every day upon yesterday, and the next day, and the next day. Every day God is building. Now here's why that's important. How do you eat a horse? One bite at a time. A lot of people think that when they become a Christian, they're instantly going to be everything at that moment that they're going to be in their entire life. Friends, that's not the case. God endeavors to do something new in our lives and in our ministries every day. He builds upon yesterday. The things we did wrong yesterday, they're forgiven, and the new things he wants to do are right now. By the way, we've also been looking at the Bible on business principles. Every week we talk about a business principle. But that is something that we have to think about as well. That what you did yesterday in your business, you will build upon it today. We talked about how Jesus looked at Peter and said, From now on, you're going to be known as Caiaphas or Rocky. And we talked about that, how Peter was anything but Rocky. If anything, he was Mr. Mushy. Uh, He denied the Lord three times before the cock crew. He, he He was always putting his foot in his... The deluxe Peter doll always took the shoe off first, then put the foot in the mouth. But Peter always was saying something goofy. But Jesus called him Rocky. Why? Because Jesus saw him for what he could be. And again, you apply that business principle in your life or in your business, seeing something for what it can be rather than for what it is, it's going to change the way you run your business. Well, understanding that, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, it says, by night. Why did he come by night? No one really knows, it doesn't say. But generally speaking, maybe he got off at 5 o'clock, ate dinner, and came over to Jesus' place. Maybe it was he's too embarrassed to come in the daytime, knowing that he was recognized by everyone because it says he was a ruler of the Pharisees. So maybe he didn't want to let people see him identify with Jesus. Don't know. We don't know the reason why. But regardless of that, he came and he said, no one can do what you do unless God is with him. Friends, people are going to say the same thing about you. And you know, sometimes God uses the simplest of people to do the greatest things so that people would say, no one can do what you do except God is with them. In other words, they recognize there's something supernatural going on in your life. Jesus answered and said to him, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What I really like about this verse is Nicodemus is, is going along and saying things no one can do. And Jesus cuts right to the quick. He knew right what was troubling Nicodemus. He said, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. This word again literally means either born second time or from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's true, friends. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God in eternity. And you're not going to see it now either. Why is that? Because there's an unseen world that people don't recognize. You know, it's interesting. Plato, not that stuff you played with when you were a kid in the third grade. But Plato, a philosopher, a Greek philosopher, 800 years before Christ said, we live in the shadow of reality, the real world is in the unseen realm. People that aren't even born again, people that do not understand anything about God or the Bible knows there's more than meets the eye. But what is it? You see, unless you're born again, you can't see it. Or if you can see it, you can't discern what it is. So this is what Jesus now begins to address in this religious ruler's life. All the wisdom that he had, Jesus said, but unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now friends, this is the key of understanding this passage of Scripture. We have what's called the 20-20 rule when we read the Bible. When you have a verse or verses that you may be in question over, read 20 verses before, 20 verses after. It'll give you a pretty good idea of what the context of what you're reading is. Now, unfortunately, cults do not do this. What cults do is they take a verse out of context or a part of a verse and build a whole theology upon it. But here we find Nicodemus says, Huh? Being born again? Very clearly he understood Jesus was talking about being born. And so he says, well, do I go back in my mom a second time? That's really weird. And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, very clearly here, when the Water breaks, inside the mama, out comes the baby. That's just the way it works. And so understanding that, Jesus is now relating just as you have a natural birth. When the water broke and that was your birthday and out you came, you have a first birth. Jesus is saying there is also a spiritual second birth. Now again, Jesus has already said what the second birth will do. When you're born the second time, you see things in a spiritual light. In other words, you don't just see the sun come up, the sun go down. You get up in the morning, kiss the wife, kick the dog, and go to work. You come home, kiss the wife, kick the dog, and go to work. And so on and so forth until you finally come home and you're kicking the wife and kissing the dog. And you repeat that over and over again. No, that's not the way we're designed by God to live. There is a spiritual understanding in this world. You know, it's really weird, but uh, as we read back in the book of Daniel, Angel Michael said, you know, I'd have got here sooner, but I was in battle with the prince of Persia. You what? This angelic being is duking it out with this guy with the crown. No, he's talking about there are principalities and demonic spirits behind the events of this world. Can you see it? I think when you're born again, you do. I think that's why we as Christians see the news so much different than people of the world. When we realize that right now, our own country, our own White House is having a real hard time knowing the difference between a man and a woman. I think that's a real problem there. But when you're spiritually minded, you can see that there's demonic spirits behind what we see going on in the world. And because of that, it puts us into a different understanding of events of the day. Now notice he says, Moses, assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He cannot enter. If you like to underline things in your Bible, the word cannot enter is important because that means you ain't going to make it. Now do not marvel, he says. Oh, by the way, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is uh, uh, flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, friends, there is a real physical world, and there is a genuine, real spiritual world. And so then Jesus goes on and says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Why? Because there has to be a point in your life where you recognize the world is bigger than what it appears to be. And only Jesus reveals to us what that is. He says, The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear it, the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This again gets back to this Pentecost Sunday that we're filled with the Spirit and God motivates us and moves us into different areas. But if you're not born again, if you're dead to spiritual things, God does not move through an individual that way. How do you get to that point? You give permission to God to do that. First of all, the Bible says we recognize we're sinners. You know, the Ten Commandments was never meant to justify a person. You ever been around those people that try to think that they justify them lies by keeping the Ten Commandments? All the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. Well, the Ten Commandments were never meant to justify a person. They were meant to show you you needed a Savior. In other words, the Ten Commandments are God's high standard, his watermark. That's that's where what God expects. The problem is we can't make that. We can't make that level. Why is that? Because we're sinners by nature. Now again, when you sin, that doesn't make you a sinner. When you sin, I sin, it just proves what we are. People that come short, of the glory of God. But you know, the Bible says there is a transformation that happens where when we become born again, then we're led by the Spirit of God and we're about our Father's business. You know, I really believe that you cannot pray as Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven without being born of the Spirit. Because it's not by nature, I want to do God's will. I want to do what I want to do i like doing what I want to do because I know what I'm doing. Now, even though when we do what we think we're doing, we don't really know what we want to expect when we're done. It's like, I I remember years ago, I was around people that were not born again, especially where I worked. And and I remember uh, this one guy, he told me, he actually said this to me. Now, this is not a joke. This is true. Some of you in this room were there. But this one guy said to me, he said, yeah, I went to a party last night, and he was talking to another one of his friends, and he said, did I have a good time? He was so stoned, he didn't know if he had a good time or not. Now that tells you, when you're altered to that point, what difference does it make? You see... This is the problem that people do. And so they stay sedated through their entire life only to wake up on their deathbed to realize they've wasted the greatest gift God could ever give anybody and that was their life. But without being divinely controlled by the Spirit of God, like the wind. You don't know where the wind's coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you sure sure can feel its effect. And if you put your sail up If you're born again, you can catch that wind and God will take you where He wants you to be rather, rather than where the world will take you. Do you realize the world is perishing, the Bible says? And everything in it? Well, when you realize how badly the world is perishing and when you become born again and you're being caught by the Spirit of God moved as He wants you to be moved around, you're a live fish in a dead stream going downhill. God says, I'm going to move you where I want you to be. Why? To be effective for his kingdom. That's just the way God works. And so, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Isn't that funny? Here he was a religious leader. You know, they taught things. The religious leaders taught things. They didn't even understand themselves. They just said a bunch of religious, verbalized religious garbage sometimes in their own minds. They didn't know. But you know, the truths of God's word are, are very accurate. And he said, how can these things be? Notice Jesus responded. And he said to him, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? It's all the way through the Old Testament. Whether you look at Psalms 51 or, or Ezekiel 11:19 19 or 2 Kings 5, 10, all the way through, it talks about how God was supernaturally going to take a heart of stone out of them and give them a heart of flesh, something alive, something soft. Isn't it interesting that the Ten Commandments were carved in what? Stone. Isn't it amazing when Jesus Christ writes His law, He says, I'm going to write my law on their hearts. Something alive, something warm, something that feels, something that, that moves. The law will never set a person free. The law shows us we need God. And when God comes into our life, no longer is it regimented rules, as in the case of Nicodemus. He had all he he was crossing the T's and dotting the I's. He had all that down but he knew something was missing. That's why he came to Jesus. If his soul was satisfied, he would have never been going over to Jesus by night saying, what must I do? You see, the problem is, and we find this universally in people in religion, is what must I do rather than what has God done for you? That's the difference between the gospel and religion. Religion says, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta get out there in the airports and wear orange and Eat Twinkies and organic, organically grown Twinkies. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know all the things, but they all have their mantra of what they want you to do to get right with God. You gotta join our church. You gotta jump through hoops. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. They have their whole long list where God said, as we're gonna read here, to acknowledge and believe in Him. Well, How can these things be? Jesus said, you're a teacher and you don't know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, in verse 11, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, yet you do not receive our witness. Now he's really addressing not only Nicodemus, but the whole Sanhedrin who was rejecting what Jesus had to say. He said, again, we know what we testify and what we've seen. Do you realize that for you too? We know what we've seen and what we we do. In other words, we speak what we know. And, And by the way, if you don't spend any time in knowing God, then you're not going to be speaking much concerning God. But if you get back to what God wants in your life, what you're going to be speaking are those things that God has shown you in your life. And you know, God's got a lot to show all of us. You know, God's a big God. God can do anything i I you know a lot of people 's God, even as Christians are very small well god can 't do that god can 't use me god can 't be you know no God can use you if you 'll let him use you and you know it 's really funny the Bible talks about childlike faith, and if you don't have that childlike faith well i i, I logically i can 't figure out how God would ever use me, but okay, God, if you want to do something all right let 's go do that and God says all right let 's go let 's go see what the Holy Spirit and you can do together. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You know, it's funny that Jesus was sharing with them simple things. In fact, the Bible says they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why do you speak to people in parables? And In fact, I I see a lot of people misread that particular part of Scripture and And he said, because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, lest they would see and hear and be converted. So what he did in the parables, he would take a spiritual principle and he would break it down to what they could understand. And they came to Jesus and they said, well, like that last parable, what did you mean by that? And he said, well, for you, it's been given the keys of the kingdom. You understand spiritual things. They didn't really understand the parable that Jesus gave. But but he was saying, basically, you have the access to understand spiritual things. But they don't, so I speak to them in words, in ways that they would understand. The parable of the sower, how the, the sower went out to sow seed and some fell on stony ground. And he begins to break that down so they would understand how God's Word works in our hearts. But he explained a complicated thing in a very simple way. That's what Jesus is going to By the way, Jesus was a master teacher. And, and something to remember is this. Um, Jesus was teaching. And the little kids were trying to get to Jesus. And the disciples were trying to keep the kids away. And Jesus stopped him and said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he picked up one of the kids and set it in his, his lap. Now, now, something that I am really amazed about, friends, and this is how you know a great teacher, Jesus could communicate to children. By the way, if you've ever been around kids, if they're bored, they're gone. Yeah, you know, like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Let's go play on the swings. But you know what's really amazing? Jesus was talking and communicating to them to the point where they wanted to come and sit in his lap. I like that. And at the same time, he could confound the Pharisees, the religious hierarchy, the religious leaders of the day. Jesus had a message so simple that he could talk to kids and confound the Pharisees. That's the wisdom of God. That's the power of God. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes Store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash Time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.